The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. I'm here with Rob Black. He is the founder and CEO of Fractional CISO. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Greg, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. I know we've known each other for many years. We started out in the Fractional VCISO space uh, almost at the same time. I think you might have had a little bit more time on me, but uh, so I know some of your story. I, I, I love uh, seeing how you've grown over the years and the services you provide, but I'd love to hear some of your backstory. Like, how did you get started in this? Sure. Well, uh, 15 years ago, I think to the day was my first day at RSA Security. So beforehand, I was uh, a software engineer and started RSA Security, worked on their identity and uh, access management products, was there almost five years, then worked for a couple companies, helping them with their security programs. And one day I had this thought, why can't I help every company with their security programs? So five years ago, uh, like next week or the week after, I started Fractional CISO. And, uh, and the idea is to help mid-sized companies with their, with their cybersecurity program. So um, the, I think, Back when we started, you know, you you and I started 2017, or for me anyway, was a less obvious thing to do than it is today. Um, but you know, the need has just grown, obviously, and uh, there's a lot of opportunity because the attack service is so huge for all these small and medium companies, and uh, the needs are just just tremendous. You know, what we find is a lot of our clients are. Um, you know, they might have the technology piece okay or good, but on the people and process part, they, boy, do they need a lot of help. Um, and so that's what we're there to do. We're there to help them with the program, help them to, uh, uh, you know, basically get things going and keep things going. Uh, and it's been a great uh, past five years. So I guess we're a lot closer to that, I thought, because I remember the first time um, that we spoke to each other, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm speaking with this guy who's doing this stuff that I'm trying to do right now. This is great. I can get all the experience. But my uh, uh, founder's date, if you will, is uh, July 23rd. But I didn't actually leave full time until um, uh, corporate until um, the end of August of or yeah, I think August of 2017. I wasn't sure in July if the LLC was going to be the, yeah. the way to go. But anyway, it's it, I know that when I decided to make the leap five yeah. years ago, uh, there are a lot of adjectives I could use. And some of them maybe I don't want to say here, <laughs> but I think scared was was one of them. I was scared about the fact that I was so used to a career to, to having someone else um, uh, pay me, or I wasn't really an entrepreneur. I kind of went into it blind and and really did um, rely upon peers such as you and other folks that have gone down the path. What was what was it like for you? And the reason why I'm asking this from the virtual CISO space is that I know that there are a lot of folks out there, particularly with COVID, that have wanted to go down the path of starting their own business. It could be in what we do or something else, information security related. But what were your what were your feelings um, and and maybe points of advice that you might be able to give someone who's just starting out? Yeah, well, see, so your time for doing it on the side to to making the leap was very short. Um, I formed the LLC end of 2015, so almost uh, two years before 
Um, I had the website, uh, you know, in some form up, you know, maybe at that point, not with my info on it, because, uh, you know, it was working for another company. Um, I had one client on the side in 2016. Um, and, you know, I think all those things were risk reduction activities, right? So do you, you know, have some agreements that you can do, even if, you know, even if you're doing things really small, but can you just help another company, and, you know, even if you're not getting paid market rate, who, rate, who cares, as long as you can demonstrate, hey, I can add value to this company, I can help them, and they're writing me a check, you know, no matter the size of the check. And then also your process stuff, you're like, oh, I got to figure out how to invoice them. I got to figure out, I have to have a bank account to be able to take the money, right? And there's all these little things that you have to do. So when we, by the time we got to, I would say, maybe nine months before the day I quit, um, we, we had a, my wife and I had a very kind of meticulous, meticulous plan. Um, I actually picked one date and she's like, no, why'd you pick that date? You know, depending, you know, had to do with the options I had available for the company I was working for. And, um, but, you know, she, you know, one of the keys for me was she was super, super supportive. I mean, I think she believed in me more than I did. Um, and then, you know, her thing was like, well, you know, I, you know, she had a stable job and she's like, I, um, you know, even if it doesn't work out, you're going to get a job just fine afterwards. So don't worry about it. Um, so I think all those things help. The thing I did not know was how would I be at sales? Um, and I think that's something that a lot of times you're working for a company and, you know, you're doing security delivery or whatever, whatever service you're delivering. You're great at that thing. But how are you at sales? And the answer is I am okay at sales and have remained okay at sales. The thing is, is I just basically start consulting with the client like as soon as I get on the phone and I think that bridges whatever sales gap I may lack <laughs> there's there's, uh, there's so many parallels in our story but I, you, you talked about sales it's like when I when I first started out I I um, tried to do cold calling and yeah. I just am absolutely horrible at it I think right. maybe I did four or five and I'm like never 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 again um, eventually I think you do get to, I, I know this has happened for fractional C. So I, that, that you get to what I like to call a flywheel, uh, effect where, where you, you have established yourself as such a, um, known and good provider of services that then you start getting recommendations, um, yes. down around, down, down the line. So, but, uh, I, a very similar story on my side, my wife also worked full time, same deal where it's like, well, if it doesn't work out. Um, she said, well, you can get, always get another job. And I told her, it's like, no, I think I'm going to retire after this. <laughs> I'm a couple of years older, but, um, I love that. I love that part of it. Cause you talk so much about risk reduction. I think that that's the perfect, the perfect way to describe it when you're getting into running a small business. And the other thing too, is that since you are running a small business, that kind of lends some, um, authority, um, validity to giving advice to other small businesses. So on that note, um, well, first of all, just what, what is your typical client base? Can I just respond to your flywheel comment? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I have a bookshelf over here, but I can't find that book. But anyway, um, there's a Jim Collins book called something flywheel. Um, it's literally, you know, so basically it's, it, the idea is, you know, you do one activity and then the other, and then the other, and that all leads into it. Uh, it's like a super thin book and, uh, it's a great, it's a great book. It sounds like you 
intuit that in your in your brain but i, I just i, would I just think I, I think i got it from that book oh you think you, you think you read and that it was book. funny okay. it's like i saw you looking off to the side as i was talking about yeah. that i'm like i was like oh, i think that book's right there but I don't, I don't know where it is now but it used to be right there on the bookshelf so um i'm gonna have to look i know i know i have uh, I, I have several on the shelf back there, but uh, I know I'm pretty sure that that's where I got it from. Yep. Um, so, yeah, but uh, the, the flywheel effect, you do see that, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, basically, like you make a sale, you deliver, the client's happy, they tell their buddy, da, 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 and then all of a sudden, you know, things go. And, you know, obviously, there's some other things in there as well, right? You have to have, you have, to have a uh, good offering that makes sense in that market, that sort of thing, right? So there's, there, it's, it's not just make a sale and do a good job. I mean, but that's certainly a part of it. So your flywheel wheel has led you to what, what type of client base uh, do you, is yeah. your, is your primary focus? Yeah. So we're primarily focused on midsize companies. Um, and in the, I would say technology space, a lot of our clients are SaaS companies, software as mm-hmm. a service. Um, when I say mid-sized, that's usually 40 employees to several hundred employees. Um, we do have some smaller and we do have some larger, but the typical would be, 50-person company, 100-person company, 150-person company, something like that. Um, and because those size companies have very mature security needs, but they're not going to hire a full-time CISO. I mean, it just would be, it wouldn't be economical. That person would probably leave in, you know, so many months. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the niche we fill. You know, most of our clients are, I would say, technology-focused, so less so on, uh, non-tech type companies. Now, of course, more and more companies are, um, are in the tech space, but, um, you know, even if you were a traditional business, you'd often have maybe a web portal or some sort of piece of technology that, that lends itself to wanting to have a CISO to help protect it and the rest of your infrastructure. Do you see in that space, and the reason why I'm asking is because I, I, I see this somewhat is that those are the types of companies that are um, looking perhaps towards their first SOC 2 and never have yeah. done it before. And you mentioned SaaS. I would imagine that you see that a lot. So we, SOC 2 is probably the thing we help companies the most with. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, I can't, I don't know exactly what percentage, but let's just say 60% of our clients were helping them with their SOC 2. Um, one way or the other, either helping them get it initially, you know, most often or maintain it, or, you know, sometimes we get them after they have it and they're like, you know, it's a lot of work to maintain it. Can you help us? <laughs> it's a, uh, um, I know for some small midsize bit or midsize market, you just the concept of the SOC 2 when they first start to have to go down that path that it's not something that they really organically want to do, but they feel like that they're being pulled into it because their customers are asking for it. They, the most, the, the biggest driver is the sales driver. So basically the, and the, the thing that you would see as a company is sales are slowing down. I'm not able to sell the large enterprise. I'm getting all these questionnaires. Um, you know, my life is miserable because, you know, I do an okay job answering them, but there's just a lot of friction in the sales system. And the SOC 2 is kind of like a lubricant in that sales system. You know, all of a sudden you get your SOC 2 and the gears start turning and sales becomes way more efficient. Um, and that's, and I think that's true in general, just about a mature cybersecurity program. The more mature your cybersecurity program is, the more you can show your customers, hey, we take this seriously, you know, here are all the things that we do, the less likely that's going to be a, a problem in the sales cycle. 
I love that that the way you put it, the SOC 2 is a lubricant in the sales cycle. I'll have to remember that quote. <laughs> so in your space, in yeah. uh, particularly in the midsize SaaS technology company, what would you say now is one of the biggest threats to information security that they have? Yeah, so I mean, I, the the threats are kind of the same regardless of our client or sector. Um, and I'll go with just the whole phishing, spoofing, business email, compromise, ransomware, you know, just put those all together. And, you know, we we see them manifest themselves in different ways, but, you know, certainly we've had clients that have almost wired money. We've had clients that have wired money um, to bad guys. Um, We've had um, clients where, you know, there might be an email compromise and causing some bad behavior um, for, you know, oh my gosh, knock on wood, but on the ransomware side, um, we have not, we have not seen that with our clients um, to date, and hopefully that will remain that way. I can't promise that forever. I mean, we do obviously do a lot of things that would help to reduce that likelihood, but you know, there's nothing's perfect. Um, the thing we see though with all this class of problems, with you know, basically the email type problems, things that lead to ransomware, is there are a few control deficiencies that are kind of universal. And the one I will specifically call it a vendor. Of course, it's a very big vendor, but it's Microsoft Office 365, Microsoft 365. Their configuration for email security is maybe the worst I've ever seen. It is so impossible. Every time you go in there, try to get things configured properly for 365. It's maybe not possible. Um, Of course, it's actually possible, but it just seems like it's... It's not lined up. They don't have like the small business package where, hey, just do all these things, get this thing, boom. Their their thing, you know, with their um, you know security roadmap is basically to sell you more licenses instead of um, help secure you. They have all sorts of crazy recommendations in there. Some of the stuff is good, um, but 365 we find to be very troublesome. You should really look at your configuration if you have 365, and you should definitely have an additional. Um, uh, phishing tool that sits in there and that's that's intercepting email on the way in. Um, well, I thought, I'm glad you said yeah. that because I, I, I've configured or tried to, I think I've been successful configuring 365 for, for our environment yes. uh, as a small business. And sometimes, yeah, I'm scratching my head. I'm like, I just want to do this one simple thing. Why is yes. this so hard? And then, or, or why can't I find these logs or why can't I get this two factor or, or what? Oh, and then, you? and then the log length by default is 90 days. And of course, you know, with, if you have a bad email situation, you know, it's, you may need the, the compromise may have happened outside of 90 days. I mean, there's just so many things that they do that are just totally wrong. What didn't, didn't. Uh, I, if, I, oh, they may have me. lengthened. Uh, I don't know, but I, no, I, it was 90 no, days no. within the past uh, year or so. <laughs> no, what, what, what I'm thinking, something that I saw recently, and I didn't dive into it as much as I've wanted to yet, but didn't Microsoft just announce that they were offering like some sort of a security consulting service now? And, you know, and they may be, and that's, and that's, you know, probably a good thing. I mean, to me, smarter to false would be the step one for them. I mean, the thing is, they just have such huge industry weight. If they just had smaller defaults and everyone was default smarter, and then the, you know, certain things are like, hey, you don't have two-factor authentication configured right, or hey, you know, like, you know, or hey, you know, we're not actually scanning the files, the attachments in your email, Um you know, those would be really nice things for a lot of companies to know. 
I, you know, I, I'd agree, but I, I, and, and so I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything, but boy, I mean, what, what a, what an opportunity to create something so complex that 85 to 90% of the world uses. And then in order to make it work, right. So consulting service on top well, we of have that. A, yeah. We have a lot of Google workspace customers and I will say the situation is way better by default with them. Um, and so that one, you know, we do a configuration review for Google workspace, but it's usually more, I would say getting the last 30% instead of the first 30% of, of configuration. Um, but, uh, you know, so I think, I think Google workspace is, is the thing there. I mean, the problem is obviously so many companies are Microsoft companies. You're not gonna, you're obviously going to be a 365 customer. You're not going to just say, oh, we have windows, we have Azure, da, 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 but we're going to use Google workspace. It would make no sense. Yeah, and I think the, the the only reason why I decided for us to be C365 yeah. was just simply that the majority of clients were 365. And but we actually kind of run in both spaces as well, just for yeah. knowledge base. But yeah. that's um the the um I, I see that Microsoft is going to be obviously around for at least the rest of my life. I mean, so you just can't <laughs> run away from it. Um I know Windows 11 is uh now becoming more and more prolific pro, throughout the uh, missing my word there prolific yeah prolific thank you <laughs> you should be on this side of it <laughs> um but uh what do you see as far as emerging threats for small mid-sized businesses kind of more of the same or um i mean certainly uh, one of the things I gathered from what you were saying is just it would be so much easier if it was to to be compliant and to be secure because they're not exactly the same. But uh, if if the way to set these things up would be simpler, what do you see as like a, a, an ongoing challenge for SMBs? Yeah, so I'll stick with a few control deficiencies again for the business email compromise, spoofing, phishing, ransomware, because you know the the reality is is. All the other stuff, of course, matters, mm-hmm. but the but there's so many problems in this area that it's it it warrants more attention. Um, you know, so other than let's say email configuration slash you know blocking bad emails, scanning files, also the back, backup quality. Um, I would say for even for our good technology clients that come to us, um, oftentimes the backup quality is just not there. So meaning oh, we don't have everything backed up. <laughs> you know, so basically we have some things backed up and like, what about your configuration data? Oh yeah, that's a good point. You know, we probably should do that. Or, oh, we don't have this system backed up. Um, or some, this is rare, it's not encrypted. We, we aren't managing the key for the encryption. We haven't done a test of our backup. I mean, there's like, you know, there's all these backup quality things where like, do you have a backup? People are like, everyone's like, yeah, of course we have a backup. But it's like for this part of your business, untested, not configured properly. And, you know, obviously it doesn't matter until the day it does matter. And then it's right. the most important thing in your business, right? So um, so that is something that uh, I think it's worth any CEO or leader at a mid-sized company, small company should just think about how is how are our backups? What are we going to do if you know if something really bad happens? I think that's what Kim Commando says something along the lines of you get backup religion when you've had a disaster and you can't yeah. recover. So yeah, and then you know, and then the the third piece. So I'll say Office three sixty five backup quality, and then people say, okay, let's rely on cyber insurance. Um, you know, cyber insurance to me is 
you know, it might not be a control because you're kind of technically transferring a risk to the insurance company, but that transfer is not that successful. Um, I just read an article today that if you have a standalone cyber insurance policy, so standalones, meaning that's the only thing you have from the insurance company, their payout is on 28% of claims. And so just, you know, just think about that, like for your fire insurance, have you ever heard of a neighbor who had a fire that didn't get paid from the insurance company? Like almost never, right? But for cyber insurance, three quarters of people are not going to get paid out for the standalone. For the one where they have the package claim or the package insurance, I think it was something like 37%. But the, but the point is, is that, um, you know, cyber insurance is not necessarily a great transfer because, you know, in the case of a fire, they say, well, you have smoke detectors, you have the fire alarm, you have fire doors, you know, fire in the fire code, dude, okay, perfect. You know, we're going to give you your, your payout for cyber insurance. Did you add multi-factor turn on? Did you, you know, did you have encryption turned on? Da, da, da. And everyone's like, oh no. And they say, well, you're not getting your payout. You know, it's basically like, you know, they, they haven't, they haven't done a lot of the basics in their, uh, you know, have they patched? They haven't done a lot of the basics in their, in their program. So there's no payout, you know, and that's one of the reasons or other reasons as well. But, um, but, you know, that's something that's, I think, giving folks a false sense of security. Yeah. And we had, um, um, uh, Mike Rastigue from Crum and Forrester Insurance on a few weeks ago, and he was speaking exactly to that. And, and I guess one of the things that they're trying to do in the insurance industry, at least with his firm that he works with, is that they're trying to get out in front and do an assessment like three months before the uh, policy is due yeah. and make sure that you're not missing those gaps because they obviously don't want to underwrite something that doesn't have MFA in, in, in place because they won't pay out. So that is right. a huge gap. And um, I'm glad you pointed that out. And actually shortly before the podcast today, I saw that on LinkedIn. So thank you for posting <laughs> that. I just hadn't had a chance to respond. So I know that, and you know, as well too, that being an InfoSec is a very stressful environment, particularly yeah. being up the chain and being an entrepreneur is very stressful and being a CEO responsible for several staff is very, very stressful. How, how do you deal with the stress? Um, how do I deal with the stress? Okay. So you know, the I mean, outside of is, making great videos, how yeah, do you deal with this? I mean, guy? that's fun. I mean, laughter definitely helps. Um, you know, I would say for the most part, I don't know. It, it, it's probably a personality defect. I don't know that I get a ton of stress from all those things. Um, the, you know, obviously, if something bad were to happen to one of my clients, that that's not a very unhappy day. I do get some stress in those cases. Um you know, one thing I say I started doing is uh, guided breathing exercises. So there's this guy, uh, Wim Hof, he has a YouTube video and I, I've been doing that and it's like super relaxing, really enjoy that. Love going for walks, you know, that sort of thing, exercise, um, kind of the normal things, but the breathing has been really interesting. I love reading. Um, that's, you know, something that uh, I'd say is really calming. And then love hanging out with my kids, uh, playing games with them, doing stuff with them. Um, when it's basketball season, I coach both of their basketball teams, uh, and love that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would say just probably normal stress stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, everyone, it, the, the interesting thing is, in my mind, everyone, regardless of who you are, role, cybersecurity, whatever, you could be, you know, garbage collector, and you're stressed out about stuff, right? I mean, True. it doesn't, you know, it's, it's, I think a certain personality type gravitates to certain roles. And I would suspect that in general, Cybersecurity people, yeah, of course, you're gonna get stressed out about certain things like there's huge consequences with some of the stuff we do. But I just gonna suspect that you're 
risk aversion is maybe in a different place than other people's would be. Um, but, you know, I just wouldn't dismiss anyone's stress in any industry or any, you know, they could, they could have nothing to do and they could still be super stressed out. <laughs> That's a very, very valid point. And I, I, I totally agree. So, um, so fractional CISO, uh, you recently opened up a Toronto office, if I'm not mistaken. We, we opened a Toronto office. So we're open for business in Toronto. Um, and uh, it's, been, it's been a great experience. I mean, okay, the paperwork was not a great experience, just to be clear. But the, <laughs> um, so we have, a, we have a team of two in Toronto. I was up there a few weeks ago and uh, had a great meeting with the team there. Um, and we're looking to just, you know, grow our business internationally. I mean, like, Toronto is international, but it's not that far. We, you know, we, we're in the Boston area, so it's not that far from here. <laughs> right. And future plans for, for the firm? Continue your growth? Um, so future plans for the firm. I mean, we're going to continue to do our thing. We have, you know, a bunch of, um, job recs open right now. So hopefully we'll be adding folks, um, adding clients. We're going to work on improving kind of the operationalization of a lot of the things, the services that we deliver, um, to make ourselves more efficient and, um, and, you know, continue to have a really high bar for the, for the folks that we hire so we can deliver high quality services to all of our clients. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like, are we opening up in another city, you know, maybe, but no, no current plans for that. You know, I think more just focused on doing a great job with uh, the folks we have, you know, the, the people we have um, and the types of clients we have, and then uh, growing incrementally at this point. That's awesome. I love your story. Um, website is fractionalciso.com. I got fractionalciso.com. Very easy to remember. That's great for sales, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a wonderful conversation. Look forward to seeing Fractional CISO grow more. If you're interested in Fractional Virtual CISO, particularly in the SaaS uh, technology space, give Rob a call or email and um, Thank you again, Rob, for joining us and stay secure, everybody. Thanks, Greg.